0: Is there not an entire section on this subject? Okay. No, yes, and I may have changed my mind in the meantime on that, so it's unfair. I may have, I may have changed my mind about Mithra, for example. Is your, your book for sale about it? Yes, sir. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me, you, let me, let me say it like you mean it. This is my vibe. What up? I got something to say. Hey everybody! Welcome to episode eight of Let Me Tell You. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So today we are going to talk about what has been on the social media pages of pretty much everybody all week long, and um, for the most part, you'll you can tell I've got up here. This is uh, abortion counter. I hope you can see it all. Um, refreshed as soon as we opened up the page so in the time since we've started in just the few seconds since we started this 48 50 abortions have happened worldwide and i'm going to keep this up while we do the entire show just so we can kind of see and get an idea of what is what the numbers are on this and actually let me move this down just a little bit so we can see all of it. Okay. So um, there we go. Uh, keep that in your in your mind as we go into, obviously, we're going to be talking about abortion today, Alabama's abortion ban, uh, a bunch of other states, a few other states have passed heartbeat bills and stuff like that. So we're going to absolutely talk about that. But first uh, thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is just try to stay up on what is happening in the democratic party with the 2020 nominations. Um, so these are, these are all the people who have declared that they are running for president, uh, and the democratic party for 2020. I don't know half of these people. Um, I know less than half of these people. Uh, and the only reason I know, most of them is just because they've declared and they've been in the news. And you've got, of course, you've got Biden, who's well-known, Booker, who's well-known, Kamala Harris, or Kamala, however she pronounces her name, uh, Bernie, of course, who seems to be the front-runner, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, I think we got Buttigieg up there, and Beto. Those are the ones that I know. All the rest of these people on here, I'm just like, I have no clue. Um, who they are, it's going to be an interesting, just as interesting as watching the the Republicans back in 2016. Um, And I think we may be as surprised to see who comes out uh, as the nominee for the Democrats. All bets are off anymore, I think, as far as politics. I mean, I used to think I could uh, kind of, gauge what was happening and predict what was going on and I just I quit I'm, I'm not even going to try anymore I'm gonna leave it to the guys that are smarter and uh better equipped at coming up with stuff like that than than me I I wouldn't even start but oh one thing I did want to talk about and I noticed it and I don't remember who it was on but somebody had a list of some of the the candidates and the, the nicknames, we'll call it that, that Trump has given them. The insulting names that Trump has provided to these people, um, they had that on their Facebook page. And then a list of others that didn't have these nicknames yet saying, help us to come up with names for these. <sighs> so again looking at everything that I look at from a Christian worldview I really don't think that is beneficial I'm, I'm going to stop just short of saying it's sinful and somebody obviously if you think if you can give me an absolute reason to say it's sinful I'm, I'm willing to hear it I don't like it I really do not um and I don't like, you know, initially when Trump started doing that, when he was in the primaries and, he, you know, lying Ted and stuff like that. And, I, you know, obviously I was probably, I was a, a, a cruise guy. So I was probably irritated more by that. And I wanted to retaliate. I kept wanting to come back and call him like little Donnie or something like that. Something to describe the immature um, value that, is there the immature characteristic of name calling and but then i'm like well okay i'm doing exactly what he does you know the the classic g.i joe he-man thing if i do that i'm I'm sinking to your level and it's literally true but so i really i bottom line is it's very immature to do this name calling thing i really wish trump would stop I refuse to join in on it. Um, It's part of the reason I quit listening to Rush and some of those guys. I know Steve Dace still does it from once or twice, once in a while. You know, they call Cocaine Mitch and and stuff like that, and Ditch McConnell, and they'll they'll come up with a name every so often. Um, You know, I just I refuse to engage in that. I think it's very immature. So uh, there it is. So, but we'll keep watching these guys. The one thing I do know relating into today's story is every one of these people have come out absolutely pro-choice. And even to the point of supporting New York's law that literally uh, allows for abortion up until the moment of delivery. And these people and have said, you know, have maintained the issue of even a child who survives abortion, uh, whether discuss things like keeping the baby comfortable while they decide whether or not that child lives or dies. And so keep that in mind. Of course, I mean, the majority of people that are going to be watching and listening to this podcast are, are conservatives and are in no way, shape, or form i going to vote for any of these people anyway. But for the few um, libertarian, liberals, anything like that, I'm, my hope is that I can in some way uh, change your mind today as I talk about this. And I hope that I have an opportunity that will cause you to walk away from listening to any of these people. So, um, there you have it. There's the the ones, and I'm sure this number is going to keep climbing. Um, I've heard more and more people talking about uh, predicting people who are going to jump into this race. um, Again, by the time we actually get to the primaries and stuff like that, half of these people will be gone and have have bailed out with whether or not raising enough money or anything like that. So, um, getting into today's main topic of uh, just issues and arguments uh, against abortion. One of the things that I've heard multiple times is people have come against those of us who are pro-life, those of us who are absolutely for the abolition of abortion. Um, and again, in today's day and age, right now with with the pro-life movement the way it is, we have to differentiate. There is a differentiation between the pro-life movement politically in this country and the abolitionist movement because even there are pro-life groups right now that are condemning Alabama and the the ban excuse me <clears throat> sorry the basic, lit- almost literal ban on abortions in Alabama and that's just not pro-life and they're tons of Republicans and different groups that are already backpedaling coming off of this and, you know, it's not going to work and it'll be overturned and blah, blah, blah. And whether or not this was done by Alabama simply to get this to the Supreme Court, to see pro-life groups and Republican leaders, I mean, not that I consider Pat Robertson orthodox by any means, um, but even to see him come out and say that this law goes too far. <clears throat> you know, I was never really a big fan of the Seven Hundred Club, even though I've I've been I was interviewed and, and featured on there in the past. Um, never been a huge fan of it, even less of a fan hearing what Pat Robertson said this week about that that band going too far. But one of the, the accusations that has been leveled is the fact that those of us who are abolitionists that are pro-life are racist. And that just makes absolutely no sense to me. And specifically in the fact that, that Planned Parenthood was founded by Margaret Sanger, who was absolutely racist. I mean, her goal through the eugenics that she um, encouraged and through Planned Parenthood and so on... And her stated goal was essentially the decimation of the African-Americans, uh, pop, uh, community population, um, calling them things like human weeds, um, undesirables speaking out to, to clan meetings and so on. Margaret Singer was absolutely racist and a quote, and I'm full transparency. I saw this posted, with Knox, it sounds like something that Knox would say. I can't, I can't say 100% that this is a quote from Chocolate Knox because I didn't hear it specifically. There's no quotations around it, but it's it's next to him. And it really does sound like something that, that Knox would say. So here's the thing. I love this dude. Um, I am happy to be able to say that I know him. I've met him, chatted with him multiple times over social media that this man is a brother and that this man is so outspoken um, for life. Um, and more and more uh, in the African-American community are coming out and being absolute uh, warriors for life. Um, I mean, I could just go on and name over and over and over uh, people who are in it. But looking at this, and this, is, this was a, an interesting uh, statement even in the fact that, that there are people who are calling pro-life people racist, those who want to see abortion done away with, they're calling them racist. And here's this statement that he said, and I, I'm going to attribute it to Knox until I know otherwise. Liberals have convinced black people that killing off their progeny is freedom, and we've believed them. You know, Candace Owens has said stuff like this. Um, and you know, as we were coming into this year, um, and I, I've done episodes on it I really thought the dividing factor in the church was going to be race um, This I saw this this split coming and it's still there potentially but in our nation as a whole and seeing it more and more in the church it's not a matter of race anymore abortion is the issue and one of the um, one of the the weapons that the left is going to try to use in this war and even and I I'm starting to see it in the woke community in the church I'm seeing this whole attitude of well I'm personally pro-life but I'm politically pro-choice uh, and I'm seeing this in the body in, people that i really was like man i thought they were solid i really did i thought they were on a solid ground with you know whether or not you know and i don't consider the the woke issue in the in the church a dividing issue i don't i don't see it as an issue of salvation you know people on the on the side that is contrary to where i'm at um I don't see them as not saved. I don't see them as, uh, I may see them as kind of misunderstanding the gospel. I think that that where Christ, or where the the, the word says there is, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ, I feel like some of the statements that come from the other side of the aisle on this should go to, uh, I guess that's the best analogy I can use for it. But, uh, they're saying there's no, therefore no condemnation for those who are not white. You know, I've heard issues of whiteness and white privilege and all this stuff. And, and again, I'm in a spot where I say, I recognize that there are issues going on. I recognize that there, there is still, I don't believe that there is system, systemic racism, but there are still issues of racism in the church, in our nation. As those who are believers in Christ who claim to understand the gospel, I think we, we need to identify as Christians first. And that's my opinion. That's where I stand on it. Um, and so we need to identify as Christians above and beyond anything else. And then sharing the gospel, I think, is a way that we are going to see um, racism end. Ultimately, if, if we can see people saved... And I'm not saying that that's the only thing we do. I'm saying that is the foundation of what we do, and then we can we can address other issues we can address economic issues in the church we can address um you know whatever other issues line up in areas of race and and so on. We can address those, but the gospel is the core and and that's where guys like Knox and I agree and and so, man, I, even, I just completely lost my... Oh, so, but I'm seeing more and more where people are allowing for abortion. And at that point, I see there is an, an orthodoxy issue in that situation. I'm going to just come out and say it. I do not believe that you can... Be pro-choice and be Christian. The two teachings do not line up together. Christianity is for life and it is murder is sin. And I don't think we can ever condone murder in any way and still proclaim to be Christian and still profess to be saved. So I'm leaning less and less away from what is going to be the literal schism in the church as being the woke issue and a race issue, I think it's going to become an abortion issue. And I think an abortion issue is going to become a schism in our world, in our nation. I've even heard, and I'm, I don't know that we're there yet, but I would be willing to, to stand on, on the side of life if we ever came to a point of civil war in this nation over the issue of abortion. And there have been people who have, there have been whispers of it. We'll just call it that. I've heard from a couple of people. Now, again, they're not anybody in any leadership or, you know, even somebody who is a a famous commentator or something to that effect. It is somebody, I mean, just people in the church, people that I know from day to day have talked about, and they're saying, "Well, you know, there could be a, this could be a civil war issue." I pray that it's not. I pray that we can get to the point, but slavery was was worthy of being a civil war issue, and I think life of children is something that's worthy of being a civil war issue. Um and and that's that's all there is to it cuz they're the same issue. It's a dehumanization of a person and there it's yeah to dehumanizing to justify acts of violence or just ugliness you know In in the 19th century when slavery was still going before it was was ended the use of derogatory terms and the supreme court even said that black people were only 3 three-fifths of a person there was a dehumanization there and that uh it was used to justify horrible, horrible uh, actions against those people. And the same thing with, with abortion. The continually in, insisting on calling it a fetus, which is just Latin for child, for baby, for offspring, or calling it a clump of cells or just a bunch of tissue or whatever, is intended to dehumanize Who that person, that human life in the womb is dehumanized by the terminology that we use, and so again, this is this is what we're talking about. This is a seven-week baby. I almost said fetus because again, it's so ingrained in us. But that's what this is. That is this is a seven-week baby before he or she. Ended up here. I mean, we can't tell gender off of this picture. Um, but before they ended up here, they had a heartbeat. They were they were living and growing and existing in the in the, in its mother's womb. And I I can't tell. I I don't know this picture. I don't know if this was a miscarriage. Or if this child was aborted or what. Um, But I want you to see what a seven-week fetus looks like. This is far more than a clump of cells. That baby has hands and feet and fingers and toes and eyes. The beginnings of ears. A nervous system that is functional. Had a heartbeat at seven weeks. This is generally about the point in time that women recognize they're late on their period. And so those who are fighting so hard for abortion, this is what they're this is what they're fighting to kill. And larger as it grows and develops. So again, some of the the arguments that I've heard this week and, and have actually argued against on Facebook and different places on social media. One is Again, a dehumanizing argument in the fact of calling this a parasite. And just looking at uh, a friend of mine's Facebook page, again, he got the same argument from somebody saying that they're basically nothing more than a parasite. Well, here's the deal. A parasite's intention is to destroy the host. Um, and again, I... I Forgive me for a minute, but I, I, I will not do this anywhere near the justice that Rich did in uh, in this definition. Rich is uh, my buddy who is a PA, um, one of the smartest dudes I know, and so. Give me a second. Okay, let me. Here it is. And I'm just going to read you what he said because he's got the medical knowledge. Uh, far more than I do and he just says it so much better so someone told him that it essentially it's a parasite and this is what rich says he says parasite a parasite seeks to destroy its host or does so eventually what host do you know of that on a monthly basis prepares itself to receive a parasite then protect that parasite expel the parasite through a hormonally po- hormonal positive feedback system then continue to feed the parasite afterwards so here again. I mean, the argument that it's a parasite, one, it's a word that dehumanizes it, that makes it seem like it's nothing more than a leech or something that that is rightfully killed. And that is not true. This is a this is not a parasite. You know, uh, this is a this is a human child. And so that argument's out the window. The other one and again, you know, the, there's a great, uh, uh now I've just lost the word oh, gee. acronym. This is what happens when you do podcasts late at night. Um, there's a, a great acronym to help to, to understand why we want to see abortion abolished. And it, the acronym is SLED. It's size, you know. Just because something is smaller and, and people have, have taken to, you know, Dr. Seuss's horse Horton here's a Who, to use that as a uh, um, mantra for life. A person's a person, no matter how small. This is a person. Whether viable or not, and again, we'll, we'll get into that here in a minute, doesn't make this any less of a person. Whether or not they can exist outside the womb on their own or not. This is still a person. This is a human life scientifically. This has its own unique DNA. It is its own own body. And, and that's the level of development is the next one in the sled. Size level of development. Again, he is... This this baby is far less developed than anyone else, but there are living people that are less developed than I am. A four-year-old girl has a less developed uh, uh, reproductive system than a 14-year-old girl. Does that make her any less of a human? My two-and-a-half-year-old daughter is less de- developed than her mother and her four-month-old niece that is sleeping across the hall from her is less developed than my daughter is. Does that make any one of them less of a person than the other one is? No. My daughter is no less a person than her mama, and her four-month-old cousin is no less a person than she is. Level of development, size do not make determine what is or is not a human being. Environment. And this is the one I want to talk about most because we hear about this more often than not. Where that person is... Doesn't make a difference in their personhood. They're the environment that they live in because this, this baby, this child has to have a womb in which it can thrive and survive. Does not mean it's any less of a person than someone who is outside of the womb or somebody who is in Antarctica is less of a person than someone on the equator. Environment does not change it, change personhood. And the fact that it is inside a body, another thing that, excuse me, another thing that I saw Rich say on his in his uh, timeline there in the thread that he had about abortion on there was this is existing, this baby is existing inside of the mother's womb. What part of a woman's body is removed during an abortion? Not a single part of the woman's body Another body is taken out of her. No part of the woman's body. So again, we are not dealing with the woman's body. The argument of my body, my choice, don't tell me what to do with my body, none of those arguments are valid when we're talking about abortion because we are com- talking about a completely different body that we are dealing with. What about this child's bodily autonomy? And again, I've said it many times and I still maintain it. That bodily autonomy is nothing different than, than real estate law. It is saying that I have a piece of property and you can't live on that piece of property. It really, anytime I hear anybody talk about bodily autonomy, I, I, I want to think to myself, way to reduce a woman to a piece of real estate and then demand that, that somebody can't live on or in that piece of real estate. We are. This is not an issue of my body, my choice. This is an issue of the choice that was made that created another body that is inside your body. And now we are dealing with the only body that, that dies that is affected in an abortion in, in a, a deadly way is this body. This little body is what is what is destroyed in an abortion. So we are not dealing with a woman's body. And so to say my body, my choice is not valid. It is not a, a, a valid argument for abortion. Because you are, are, you're, it's not your body. The body inside your body is not your body. This has a, a completely unique DNA. If this were the woman's body, then she would have two heartbeats... Four arms, four legs, 20 toes, 20 fingers, two heads, four eyes. I mean, suddenly, and then if, 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 if this is a male, then then she's a male. If this was her body, this is not her body. And that's bottom line. Bottom line, environment. The fact that this is inside of a woman's body does not make it any less a person than any other person on the planet. And the final thing is degree of dependency. Yeah, Degree of dependency, again, looking at my wife to my two-year-old daughter to her four, four-month-old cousin. The degree of, of dependency on each of them is different. You know, I mean, ultimately... My wife is dependent on something. My wife is dependent on on her and my paychecks in order to live. There is a degree of dependency that we have on other people that are around us. It doesn't mean any of them, because I depend on my boss to give me my paycheck week in and week out so we can afford groceries and we can afford a home and everything else, does not give my boss the right to kill me if they decide to. My two-year-old daughter cannot live on her own. I mean, she's, she's growing and she's getting better. She goes potty by herself and, and does so many different things. She can get in the fridge to get her own stuff. And, and she's getting bigger and it's crazy and I really wish she would stop. <laughs> she's growing up too fast, but that's another story. But she's still dependent on us. If, if my wife and I weren't here, she didn't have an adult in this house. She would not live very long. And her four-month-old cousin is very, very dependent. Almost as dependent on her mother as this baby is on its mother. My four-month-old niece requires her mother for food. Requires her mother for pretty much everything. She would not live at all without her mother. Even though she's outside of the body, she's out of the womb, she's viable, quote unquote, viable. She can't live on her own. She is totally dependent on her mother. Just as this fetus is totally dependent, baby is totally dependent on its mother. So the degree of dependency is not a valid argument for whether or not to kill a child and finally ultimately the last thing is the issue of incest and rape and the the the, actually pretty pretty mild discussion i mean a lot of times these arguments on social media get so heated so quickly and i've lost friends over it but I had a, a fairly reasonable conversation today, calm, civil. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, and the very first accusation that came at me was, it, unless," and of course they were talking about rape and incest. It was a meme that I put on as a bedroom. This is where you decide whether or not you want a child, and then underneath it is a abortion room or a surgery, an OR where it says not here and so of course the 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 charge that came back excuse me was what about if they're raped and they they're not making a choice and it's forced on them here's the problem rape and incest is less than one percent and i think a national statistic says that it's 1.5 percent so if we look on, on our counter up here 35 350,000 abortions in the United States this year uh, due to rape and incest 3,489 so 1% 1% of the abortions that have been performed this year have been done due to rape and incest now does that we do we discount that 1% well no but we don't make a, a A broad decision based on one percent uh it's the same thing with the transgender argument they talk about what about people who are actually intersex or x y y or x x y it's such a small number you don't use that small number to justify the whole uh so many people rebecca Kiesling and, and other people who have come out who are like i was the product of rape and you're you're essentially saying that i don't deserve to live they're one of the one percent that is being used to justify a hundred percent of abortions. But here's the thing: when and where do we ever murder the child, punish the child, give the t- execute the child based upon the crimes of the father? Here's what here here's a a thought on that because it's always said well you're forcing her to carry that rapist child and if she were to, to raise that child then she has to look into the face of, of her rapist and the offspring of her rapist every single day well how about this it's absolutely possible that I go in and rape my wife she doesn't want to have sex and I, I force myself on her that's rape. It is absolutely rape. Now, do we kill our existing children because she doesn't want to have to live with the, the offspring of her rapist? That's carrying out that argument to its full logical uh, extent. The logic doesn't fit. We're not going to kill the, the four-year-old and ten-year-old and children of a husband who rapes his wife because she doesn't want to look into the face of her rapist. I'm, I'm all for giving the death penalty to rape, rapists. I am for it. I say let's ex- execute them and let the children live. We can give those children up for adoption. And, and again, the, the argument is, well, you're forcing this woman to carry that baby. Well, why would we ever want to compound one violent crime with another? Right? It just doesn't make sense that we murder the child because of what the father did. When if she can give birth to that child and give that child up for adoption and that child can be loved. You know, the other argument is that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids in foster care and it's as if that every single one of those kids in foster care is suffering and being abused and beaten or whatever. I can tell you a whole lot of kids that I know. They came out of foster care that are grateful that it was there, that they didn't have to grow up with abusive parents or in a, a bad situation that they were in, but yet loving people were willing to take them into their home and provide for them and give them stability. Now, does that mean that every foster home is wonderful? No, They're, but the majority of them are again, the, the, the horrifying stories of foster care are a small percentage, just like we're using everything that's done off of the small percentage in against the light of the whole. And, you know, my daughter is adopted. My wife's siblings, six of her younger siblings are adopted. You know, the majority of people who are sitting on a waiting list for adoptions are Christian you know the the accusation that we're we're just pro birth and we don't take care of those kids after they're born that is that's garbage because there are more Christians that are out there willing to donate to charities to uh, to do foster care to adopt children but anymore we're getting more and more to the point where they're not allowing Christians to do these things you know it is so hard to bring a foster kid into your home when you're a Christian because you can't teach them about Christ you can't you can't give them you know you can't you can't take them to church with you if you do, if they don't want to go and then somebody has to stay home and it's becoming more and more difficult for Christians to even do adoption or uh, foster care and adoption and the the financial problem or the financial obstacle in adoption is in, an insane adoptions can cost up to forty thousand dollars whereas abortion costs around six hundred. It's horrifying, but the, there are Christians who are willing to do it. Apology of Church and our church, and, and the, the, the statement that I made to the girl that I was discussing with on Facebook today was, if you find somebody in that situation who has been raped and uh, is, in, is pregnant and is wanting to abort, let me know because my wife and I will adopt that baby immediately, guaranteed. No hesitation whatsoever will adopt that child. But that, the the statement that I did want to make, because um, it came back at me of, you don't know what it's like to have that forced upon you and so on. I was raped. You don't have to just be a woman to be raped. I was raped by another soldier when I was 19 years old in the army. I know what it's like to have somebody force themselves upon you. And it's horrifying. And I... I don't look. I don't look lightly upon anyone that has had that happen. I absolutely can empathize. But we don't murder the baby because of it. And, and it just seemed like the, the comment back to me was my suffering was, was less because I wasn't able to be impregnated by this dude. But every other aspect of... I mean, the humiliation... I mean, I didn't tell anybody for years what happened to me because it's so humiliating. I'm a guy. I was a soldier. And another soldier forced himself upon me. So I know what it's like to be in that situation. Of course, there's no way I was going to get pregnant. And have to be concerned in this. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a human being that deserves life. And we do not murder children based upon the crimes of their parents. Either parent. Father or mother. So, I mean, those are some of the basic arguments that are out there for abortion. And none of them stand up none of them stand up to scrutiny if you really break them down to the absolute extent of their their logical uh ex- take them all the way to the end of their logical extent they don't stand up they don't stand up murder it abortion is murder and it is there's never a an allowable time to murder a child now and again life of the mother mainly ectopic pregnancies. That is the one situation where I can absolutely say there's no way that we can save the baby and save the mother at the same time. And so what we've always said as those who oppose abortion is that if the mother's life is truly in danger, we do everything we can to save the mother's life. And if the child is lost in the process, we mourn, but we never go and, 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 intentionally kill that child ectopic pregnancy would be the only place where I can we have to and if 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 we ever get to the point where we could take a a baby that is implanted in the fallopian tube and move it to implant it in the uterus in the womb then we would do that if we had any kind of technology to protect and and help that child to grow and live outside of that situation, we would do that. But right now, there's no way that we can, we can save a child in an ectopic pregnancy, but in every other life threatening situation for the mother, we can try to save both. And we do everything we can to save mom's life. And if we lose the baby in the process, then we mourn, but we don't intentionally kill the baby. We do everything medically, everything we can to save both. And there's your answer for life of the mother and health of the mother. And again, that is such a small, very, very small, minuscule percentage of abortions. There's a, a, a meme that's out there of, of abortions in Florida recorded. 70% are strictly elective. And less than 1%, uh, less than 1% in Florida of the floor, the abortions done in Florida in 2018 Less than 1%, and that was rape, incest, and life of the mother combined. We're all less than 1%. Those three combined. 70% of the abortions done in Florida in 2018 were simply elective. Because mom didn't want to have the baby. Convenience. as was a form of birth control. And that's Horrifying. And I've gone way longer than normal, but I'm, I'm I want to finish with this. And and any time I talk about this, I want to finish with this. One of I think the, the majority of the reactions, the the emotional and intense reactions to this discussion are because of from women who have had abortions, and they feel like they're being judged. They feel like they're being condemned. And yeah, we use, we use, we judge that that is a, a murderous action. We use right judgment to say that abortion is murder. And, um, and we even talk about punishment for that. But it's no different than any other sin. We, we, we use judgmental words like liar, murderer, thief. Uh, adulterer, blasphemer, when we talk about sin, we use judgmental words and we say that these things are wrong and ultimately they should be punished. But there is a way that God has provided to where there is no condemnation. I talked about it earlier. Paul says that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you have been party to an abortion whether you're a, you're a mom who has aborted your child whether you're a doctor an, and i won't even call a doctors abortionist who has performed an abortion or a dad who has paid for it provided it which i was i'm a post-abortive dad i have a baby a child in heaven because i wrote a check and sent it to the mother so she could pre- present that to an abortionist and have that man or woman murder my child. So I don't speak this of this as one that doesn't have experience in it. I am as guilty as anyone else of murdering their child, but I've repented of my sin and I put my trust in Jesus Christ and he has forgiven me. And that forgiveness is there for you as well. The forgiveness of the sin of abortion is there as available as anyone else who's repented of lying and and thieving and, and lusting. Abortion is not an unforgivable sin. As long as you're willing to repent and put your faith in Christ and turn from that. And again, that's why I say that I don't think somebody who supports abortion can truly be saved. Because I, I, can't, I can't see how a regenerate person can excuse murder. And I know that's harsh. But that's, that's what it is. But forgiveness is there. It is there and it is available and it is, it is there if you'll just take it. If you'll just repent and put your trust in Christ let him change your heart let him heal the wounds that abortion has caused and let him let him soothe let him do what it is that he does and he he bears the condemnation for you he carried that sin to the cross and he paid the penalty for that sin so that if you'll repent and put your trust in him you too will be saved Christians, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They aren't necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.